we are very, very strong in gaming because this is who you are. This is our DNA and we've been doing games for a very long time. Now, as we are getting more traction, more users, we are expanding beyond gaming. Uh, we have um, uh, four or five verticals beyond gaming that are doing very well. The first one is other Web3 and NFT projects. So we're very close with, you know, uh, with projects such as the Board Yacht Club and and others. Uh, so we're working hand in hand with them to uh, create interoperability between them and the sandbox. Number three is music. We've been very successful in, in you know, partnering with famous musicians, for example, Snoop Dogg and, and many, many others that are coming. Uh, number four is uh, everything entertainment movies, TV series. We've announced uh, a deal with Lionsgate, for example, and we're gonna, you're gonna see more coming. Uh, and number five is everything fashion and luxury goods. You're listening to Lights, Camera, Crypto, the podcast exploring all things entertainment and Web3. I'm your host, Stephen Ladden, and this week our guest is The Sandbox US CEO, Matthew Nazareth. In this episode, Matthew discusses being a successful entrepreneur for the past 30 years and how starting five companies eventually led him to join the board of The Sandbox and subsequently move into the position as the CEO of the U.S. Matthew then provides an in-depth look at what his role as Sandbox's U.S. CEO encompasses and how he's positioning The Sandbox for successful future in music, television, movies, fashion, and gaming. Let's dive in. Matthew, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Steve. Thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited to be here today. Yeah, same. And, uh, you know, really interested to unpack and learn more about what Sandbox is doing these days and also just your personal journey to Sandbox. Maybe give us a little color. Was working in a Web3 environment something you, or the future of the internet, something ever on your radar as a, as a kid growing up, what, what were you really into and how did you find your way to Sandbox? Uh, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for the past uh, 30 years. So I started, you know, five companies in, in 30 years. Was fortunate enough to sell three, to win public. And uh, uh, the last uh, the last one actually was, I uh, started, you know, uh, going into Bitcoin. I started a Bitcoin mining company in Canada uh, um, a green Bitcoin, you know, uh, mining company in Canada. And I really started to get into crypto in 2017, like big time. Uh, so I started this company, but also started to invest. You know, I, uh, I, uh, took part in a lot of ICOs for those who remember. I thought it was fun. I thought I could get rich. It worked only for a while, but it worked. For maybe okay. a few weeks. Uh, and, uh, and then it didn't work anymore, but I still, still got the, Got the uh, the crypto bug, and I uh, this is when in 2018, 2019, I decided I would really want to spend more time in in the crypto space, uh, and 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 I joined the Sandbox uh, as a board member first uh, in 20, uh, 2019, I think, and then as a full time CEO for the US in uh, early twenty twenty two. Awesome, and and what about Sandbox attracted you to the company first as a board member and Later, as CEO of of US, what what is it about the company that inspired you to initially get involved and then take on a larger role? Well, initially, 
so I sold my first company to a, a company called Gameloft uh, in, uh, in 2018. And as you know, when you sell a company, you usually have what you call a lockup period. Uh, and and my lockup was until you know the end of 2021. And and after after that, I was on my way to have a sabbatical, wanted to take some time off. But uh, being a board member already and and seeing the traction that the sandbox was having, seeing the vision, the mission, the ambition of the project. When the founders called me and said, why, why don't you join us instead of doing a sabbatical? Took me like a few days to, you know, think about it, talk to my wife, and we decided to change plan. And, and uh, instead of moving back to England, we decided to move from, from New York to LA, and, and uh, the rest is history for me. Very cool. And, and was there a, could you pinpoint, was there a, was there a, a difference maker, a, a deciding factor within all of that? I mean, you mentioned taking a sabbatical. Like, what, what was the, if you had to reduce it down to one or two factors, what were what were those? I mean, it's it's really for me was the first of all seeing the actual traction of the project, seeing you know uh, you know the excitement from the community. I think what the founders you know often said were, were able to build is really amazing. They built a brand, they built a community, they built an army of believer uh who really want to you know be in the sandbox and since we are a, a ugc ugc stands for user generated content platform this is very very important to have content creators you know believing in the project and and coming to to the sandbox and building stuff so i was seeing that i was seeing the, the excitement i was seeing the number of users uh coming in i was seeing the number of new experiences or new games being built for the sandbox that was really phenomenal and i decided this was for me like once in a lifetime opportunity. It's like, you know, being at the, the beginning of, of like a new tech giant, you know, being built. Sure. In in, in real time. So it's you're yeah. you're building it as it's being built, you know, with, with the user generated content. On on that end, is there what's the focus uh currently in terms of uh entertainment and, and media and, and obviously you guys are in a lot of different fields, fashion, gaming, et cetera. What what's sort of the landscape with what you guys are working on currently? So the company actually this is interesting because the, the this overnight success that is Sandbox took like maybe eleven years in the making. The company was started in 2011, 2012, then went through a lot of uh, uh, different phases. But uh, um, uh, and it was a game company. And the reason I'm saying that is because the the company in 2011, 2012 was really a game company. We already had a big success on mobile gaming was called the Sandbox at the time. It was a single player 2D mobile game. And then we started to, we wanted to relaunch uh, uh, in 2018. We rebooted the franchise, started from a, from a, from a blank sheet. Uh, and uh, uh, we created a new Sandbox that was a game on, on the blockchain uh, and going from 2D to 3D and from single player to multiplayer slash social. And so to answer your question, we are very, very strong in gaming because this is who we are. This is our DNA and we've been doing games for a very long time. Now, as we are getting more traction, more users, we are expanding beyond gaming. Uh, we have um, uh, four or five verticals beyond gaming that are doing very well. The first one is other Web3 and NFT projects. So we're very close with, you know, um, projects such as the Bonnet Yacht Club and and others. Uh, so we're working hand in hand with them to uh, create interoperability between them and the sandbox. 
Number three is music. We've been very successful in, in you know, partnering with famous musicians, for example, Snoop Dogg and, and many, many others that are coming. Uh, number four is uh, everything entertainment, movies, TV series. We've announced uh, a deal with Lionsgate, for example, and we're gonna, you're going to see more coming. Uh, and number five is everything fashion and luxury goods. This may be a bit surprising, but uh, like in the real world where people use fashion to uh, uh, show who they are to their community, it's really a, you know, a signal uh, that you're saying, sending to the people around you. And the same applies you know, to the metaverse. People want to have them, their avatar you know, say, just saying something about who they are. So they're ready to, you know, to invest and buy you know, either digital handbags or digital sneakers, hats, T-shirts, these kind of things. So we've had a lot of success with you know, fashion and luxury good companies, including Gucci and many others that are going to be announced. Awesome. So it's that you guys are definitely diversifying from, as you mentioned, the the bread and butter games. Yeah. What, as a CEO, how do you you have all these different verticals? How do you both position everyone for success and motivate everybody to get on board with the vision, but also make sure that each vertical is running smoothly? So it's it's different vertical. As you know, they have different you know goals. Uh, gaming is like for them. It's it's for the gaming vertical. It's pretty easy. It's business, almost business as usual because they they've, be, they've been used to do games on mobile console. It's just a new platform. They have to learn uh, a, a few new tricks. So instead of selling you know microtransaction on mobile or selling your console games or digital you know uh, um, packs, they have to learn Web three, which is which is sometimes not easy because web you know Web Web three is all of those companies are coming from Web 2 and going from Web 2 to Web 3 is a bit challenging sometimes. So we're helping them. We, they have to learn you know, NFTs and the value proposition is different. The um, uh, Also, the playbook is different. Usually in Web 2, you have the playbook is about growing as fast as you can and then you monetize on a very small percentage of, of, of your user base. Whereas Web 3 is a bit different in that it's the... the the uh, the user base is a bit smaller, but the the, the monetization you know um, percentage is a bit higher. Uh, so they have to learn a few you know new things. Uh, and the rest, fashion is different. They also for them the metaverse and Web three. It's all about culture. It's all about you know surfing a new way, new waves of of you know uh, their customers you know, uh, uh, being more involved into communities and also in Web3 and, and NFTs. So I, I would say every vertical is different. Uh, and we help not all, but some of the biggest partners, we help them uh, uh, by sometimes we make, we build their own, their experiences. Uh, and sometimes we, uh, you know, we give them advice, we consult with them. Uh, uh, because all of this is, is brand new. So, um, yeah, they have to learn as well. And as, as everyone's learning and, and kind of, as you're saying, it's, it's a new space for, for a lot of people, how, how impactful and, and necessary is your former, uh, background in being the CEO of other companies? How, 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 uh, how helpful has it been in the role you're currently in? I mean, you know, just being a CEO is 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 
doing a lot of lot of different things, considering a lot of different perspective. And I think that's very helpful when you work with big partners such as Gucci or Ubisoft or Snoop Dogg because they, they come from a different background. But at the end of the day, they, they all want to, you know, uh, benefit or they, they, they want to make sure their experiences is a success inside the sandbox. So, you know, it, it, and being a CEO is having a lot of different people work together, whether it's technology, engineers, uh, designers, creative people, finance, uh, narrative designers, game designers, uh, marketers. I mean, it's it's you know being the uh, 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 being uh, you know managing all of those people together is really uh, what makes you know those experiences a success, and this is typically what CEOs do. Totally, and so so essentially, you're kind of the. And I mean, this is redundant for. The purposes of unpacking what a CEO does, but you know, you're you're the you're the guy, you're the pilot of the ship. You're you're managing the cat, the the crew, and and everyone else and and beyond. Yeah, yeah. And is is there? I I would imagine. I don't want to assume, but I would imagine that most people working at Sandbox, yourself included, are there's no lack of of excitement and passion because you're all in this thing that's being created in real time, right? Like you're. You're not so much inspiring folks as you are just helping move everything forward. Yeah, I think we're very fortunate because out of the 500 employees that we have around the world, almost all of them are super passionate about the mission and the vision of the Sandbox. Uh, they love gaming. They love the metaverse. They're very much into Web3. So everyone you know, wants to push forward. So that's, that's, very, uh, that's great as a CEO. So sometimes it's almost overwhelming right so you have to make sure everyone is is in line but it's it's uh it's really great how do you juggle managing the company with having a life have you you know you mentioned what how, how do you have a personal life how do you have a you know how do, how do you have both worlds exist for you internally yeah i mean ceos is um I mean, I have to say, it's really a hard job. It's glamorous only for people who've never done it. Uh, and, and if you've done it, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. And it's very, very hard to, you know, dis- to have, you know, to disconnect between your work and your personal life. So you always, you know, in the background of your head, even when you're on vacation or when you're home, you always like think about the issues you have, the problems you want to solve. It's not. I, th- I think it's uh, different for everybody, uh, but yeah, it's 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 not easy. I can't say that I, you know, I just uh, go home and all of a sudden I switch off and right to family mode. Yeah, sure. It's like it's like almost like you're always on, even if you yeah. you can't you can't you can't turn it off, even if you tried. Right. Yeah. It ha- have there been any techniques or strategies that have helped you at least compartmentalize a little bit so that you're not always consumed by the day to day? I think experience over time. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been a CEO for 30 years, so it's just experience. And yeah, you try to compartmentalize, uh, and, and, um, but it's not, it's not a hundred percent. So sometimes it's so overwhelming that it's really hard to, to do that. But I think uh, with time, you know, it gets better and better. And I guess maybe also different personalities react differently. Maybe some people are better at this uh, than others. Uh, but I will say that it's so overwhelming 
uh, uh, that it is really, it's not for everybody um, being a CEO. That's for sure. What, what about your specific personality type and the things that you're interested in have helped make it right for you? Um, in all the companies that I co-founded or created, not this one, this is the first company that I work for that I didn't start, but uh, uh, I'm really, I'm usually passionate and I l really like the product that I, that I build, which really helps. Um, uh, it's not necessary, right? I think very, you have very successful CEOs who have no passion, no interest in the products or the companies they built and it's a success. So I'm, I'm not saying this is, you know, um, a requirement for everybody, but in my case, I think it helps uh, uh, when, when things are tough or when things are really sometimes desperate. Uh, uh, you know, just focus on, on the product, focus on the mission, the vision, and it helps uh, um, get better. Um, and I think different, yeah, different CEOs have different personalities. I'm more an introvert, for example. This is surprising because a lot of people assume that in order to be a successful CEO, you have to be an extrovert. Sure. And not in my case. I mean, I, I, I can't fake being an extrovert over <laughs> time. Uh, I've, I've learned how, you know, uh, to fake it, um, uh, you know, over 30 years. Well, <laughs> is it, is it that you're faking it or you've just become more accustomed to like it being the CEO, having those conversations has brought you out, uh, inched you closer to being an extrovert, even though you're have, have an introverted base. I, I don't know if you can change your true nature. I, I think I'm faking it. I, it's getting better. Uh, and, and it's less so being in a group of people or talking, you know, in front of people, even talking on live TV or, you know, interacting with a large group of people is, is usually draining for introverts. And for me, it is a little bit, but I'm, I'm fine doing it now. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm changed me a little bit. Who knows? Uh, from being purely introvert to, being maybe a little bit more extrovert and nobody's one or the other, right? You just, right. just a little bit of, you have, uh, uh, everyone is a little bit of both, but you have, you know, one side that is, uh, overwhelming. Like a, like a dominant trait. Yeah. Yeah. Dominant trait. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Is you, you mentioned just to circle back to it, you mentioned passion and how it's not necessarily a requirement for success, but that a lot of yourself included, CEOs and, and just people in general who have passion behind what they're doing, it makes it, it makes sort of the challenging times a little easier to weather. Is passion something that can come to someone if they don't have it initially for a project? Like, can that come over time? Or is it something that you either have for a particular project, work, et cetera, or you don't? I think it can come over time, but a passion or, or, you can also have a strong interest, not necessarily for the verticals you're in, but also it, some people have a passion for just, you know, uh, defining a goal and achieving it, you know, and um, or fixing or solving hard problems, no matter what, you know, the, the, the vertical is. I, th I think CEOs is very much like, also, it's, yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest, you have to be ambitious. Um, you need to pass, you know, the uh, the marshmallow test, right? You can't like you really need to, and the marshmallow test is very very long for CEO or for us for a founder of the company. Uh, 
from the time you start a company to to you know potential selling the company or doing an IPO and and becoming wealthy it's like seven ten years so you have to be ready to postpone in this marshmallow for seven to ten years and that's a very long time when you see most of your friends who are not CEOs when you see them you know making more money than you working for big companies. Uh, and you're by yourself, very often CEOs, especially as founders, they make nothing or very little. Sure. Um, uh, and you have to wait, yeah, six, seven years, 10 years until that happens. Is, is that something that you felt you had passed having your own companies, like that you passed the marshmallow test earlier in your career so that you felt comfortable in a role like this and, and that? Yeah. Well, the thing is, to be, oh, okay. The marshmallow test, it's not as if you have a choice, right? When you start a company, uh, you have only two options. Either you fail and the company goes bankrupt or you succeed and you sell a company or you have an IPO, but it's, I've never seen founders, I mean, it must happen, but like walking away, you know, being fed up and say, I've had enough, I'll leave it to somebody else. You, you just, so the marshmallow test, just even if you don't like it, you just, you know, you, you either you don't have the marshmallow, the marshmallow is gone, or you just have to wait. You have to be very patient. There is nothing you can do to uh, grab it. You know, I mean, sometimes you're lucky it happens in a few years, two or three years, but that's more the exception than the norm. I think for, from an inception to, to an exit, I think a startup on average is, takes, what, like 10 years, nine years, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So you have to be, um, and you have to focus on this sole, you know, uh, goal and this sole activity and this sole business for seven, eight, nine, ten years. This is also a very long time. Most people change job, you know, every couple of years, three or four years. But as a CEO, you have to work in the same company for a long, long time. And and what gave you the confidence early on to have sort of the the groundedness to persevere and to withstand sort of, you know, to, to have success with time. I think you have to, uh, the thing is when you start a project in reality, um, objectively you should not succeed, right? The odds are really against you. Uh, so you have to set that aside and believe in yourself, even so the odds are against you. If you're just looking, approaching from a statistical perspective, you would never never do uh, a startup. I think the, 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 the success ratio of startup companies, I don't have the latest numbers, but out of 100 companies, maybe 50, 60, 70 will fail. Maybe 10, 20 will kind of be okay, and maybe 10% will really be successful. So you have to really believe in yourself. Uh, you have to believe that hard, hard work uh, is going to pay off. Even so, luck is also very, very important in, in startup success. Uh, but you, you can't think of this. You just you know focus on, on what's ahead of you and do your job. When looking at statistics, it's almost like you, you would see it on paper and be like, why would I ever venture into entrepreneur land if i know that these odds are stacked against me but there has to again i think getting back to perseverance and drive i mean that i think 
is a telltale sign that, hey, maybe a person is cut out for this particular path if in the face of that, they're just like, all right, hey, I understand the risk, but I'm I'm following something that's perhaps aligned internally with me and I'm going to go on this journey regardless. Yeah. Yeah, I think being a CEO or, or, or I think, first of all, being a CEO or being a startup founder is, is slightly different. Sometimes they align, right? But you, it's two different positions. But let, let's say as a startup founder, uh, and often people ask me, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start a company? And my first advice is don't do it at all uh, because it's really, really hard. Uh, it's going to be very painful. Uh, and only do it if you feel this is really the only thing, the only option you have. If you want to become rich, don't do it. If you want to become famous, don't do it for that reason. Do it because this is something you have in you and you want whatever reason. Maybe you want to prove something to yourself. Um, uh, it's going to be really, really painful. It's like, you know, climbing a mountain, you know, almost bare feet with no oxygen. You're going to be cold. It's going to be painful. It's not going to be fun. But when you reach the top, this is the, the fun moment. You're just like, yeah, you did it. But most of the time, it's, it's really hard. Did you personally feel along your journey that the trying moments that you're advising folks perhaps not to go through were actually helpful in your evolution? Like, did you learn from those highs and lows and, and in, in the moment they might have been crappy, but in bird's eye view, they, they actually as a whole were helpful. I would love to say yes, but when you are in, I mean, when you are, in a down moment, it is very, very hard to, to look at the bird's eye view. You feel like, oh, this is really bad, and it's very stressful. I mean, I, on the five companies that I that I created, uh, I've come like weeks away from from being bankrupt at least, you know, four or five times. Uh, wow. Always, you know, happened to me. And, and I think if you're not, I think you're probably not pushing hard enough. And every time a miracle happened and, and something happened and, and uh, the company, you know, was saved at the last minute. Uh, but if, yeah, in theory, you think, oh, when something, when you're down, you think, okay, it's not going to last. So hopefully you just, if you show up, if you keep working, as long as you're not dead, you know, you still have hope that something is going to change, which is true. You know, very often things change. But also, it's it's the reverse is true as well. When you're at the top, you know, I think this. I think it's more when you're at the top, with experience, with experience, you think, okay, let's be careful. Maybe it's not going to last forever. Uh, it's just a moment. We have all the planets aligned right now, but you know, who, who knows what's going to happen in a month or two, or you know, a year from now. So you're more cautious, I think. Isn't isn't it just the same? Aren't these just two sides of the same coin in the sense that? Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. caution, you know, the the low isn't going to last forever. The high is not going to last forever. But but the ultimately the the idea is that you're you know riding a, a wave above whatever yeah. you know the ground floor is. Yeah, but, maybe maybe we are addicted to those highs and lows, you know, because that's <laughs> we, we feel something. So it's it's not like average, you know. It's it's always dramatic in 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 one direction or the other. Right, and so in that sense, do you think that that is some of that manufactured to, to feel something like, are there moments that are just exist, you know, problems aren't as big as they need to be. The, the, some successes, you know, are, 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 are the ends of the spectrum pushed a little bit in order to feel, feel alive. something. Yeah. Maybe. yeah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> it's a question for, for a therapist, I guess. 
I yeah, know, true. Maybe. Yeah. Well, that, that that's interesting. And do you with with Sandbox? You know what? What are some of the wins that you can speak to currently for for some of the stuff you guys have uh, in the works? And I know you mentioned uh, collaborations with with Snoop and Gucci and stuff like that. But what what's sort of in the ether that uh, you're currently working on that you're excited about? So for us, we want more of those. So we're working hard to have more, more, you know, uh, artists, more brands, uh, more companies, more games, more of everything. And that that's going very well. Uh, but the core of what we do inside the company is really trying or coming up with a better product, improving the product so that it's it's uh, more enjoyable. People spend more time. People come back more often. It's it, like all games, like or like all platforms. Uh, you can be very good at marketing, and we are already doing marketing. You can be very good, very good at PR. You can be very good at biz dev. You can be very good at a lot, lot of different things. But at the end of the day, what matters most is really the uh, uh, the quality of the product, the fun, the excitement, the enjoyment that people have using our product. And this is where we spend you know, the majority of our time today. Gotcha. It- in that sense, are there any major challenges in accomplishing that goal that that you guys face uh, either or or have faced uh, previously? Yeah, I mean, w- one of the biggest challenge for us, but also for everyone in the Web three space, is the uh, the onboarding of of the mainstream users. Uh, it is difficult. People really don't understand the concept of wallet, the seed phrase. You know, and this kind of things, uh, and and I think it's a major challenge for everybody, and we are working very hard at the sandbox to try to improve it, try to make the onboarding smoother, try to make it easier for ordinary users. Right, right now we've had a lot of um, crypto enthusiasts, the uh, uh, la creme de la creme of the crypto users, and and our challenge is how do we go mainstream? How do we onboard? You know. Tens of millions of users instead of millions of users that we have right now. And to that point, are we a couple years away? Is it further beyond our reach in terms of mass adoption with with people using wallets and the seamlessness of all of, all of that technology? Do you think mass adoption is close by? Is it around the corner or is it a little further away? I don't think you will have like one event that you go from, you know, going where we are to the mainstream. I think it's it's going to be gradual, little by little. Um, I think my my gut feeling is that we may be a couple of years away from mass adoption. Uh, and when I say we, it's really the the industry, right? And and I think yeah, we we're not there yet. I mean, it's getting better and better every every day and every month, but we still have a long way to go. In in terms of the more media plans that Sandbox has, can you speak a little bit about what we can expect to see on the, you mentioned the partnership with Lionsgate. What are some of the film and TV elements that we can expect to see uh, in the future? I, I can't announce that yet. Uh, we will reveal that a bit later. Uh, but I think you'll see more and more, you know, uh, Brands and IPs and franchise inside the sandbox. Um, we, by the way, we're not fully launched yet. In that, we are still in alpha mode, right? We still we had alpha one. We, we call it season, so we open the game for a few weeks, then we shut it down. 
make improvement, add more content, reopen, and so on. We would have three alpha seasons so far um, over the past two years, and then the next one is, is coming soon. In terms of what you can speak to, maybe we can speak a little more high level about it. Um, is is the plan to just so I understand? Is it is it to put more established media entities into Sandbox, or is it to have more branded content come through Sandbox? What's sort of the? I know Lionsgate is sort of a, a, a pillar of film. And, and TV as well. What, what sort of the, how, how are those different companies going to be interacting? So they, they all, they, each of them have their, they, they buy their own land and then they can build, or we built with them, you know, the experience that they want. It can be a game, it can be a concert, it can be a shopping, it can be a social experience, whatever they want to build. And, and obviously, big brands, big IPs are very important for us, but I don't want to forget also the, at, at the end of the day, the Sandbox is a UGC platform and, and we are a marketplace between creators and users. And we are also spending an enormous amount of time focusing on, on um, you know, the creators can be anyone from an individual, a small company, a tiny company, medium-sized company. You don't need to be a household name to create your content on the Sandbox. And we've, we've built uh, creators tools that are easy to use, free to use. Uh, one is called, for example, the Game Maker. It's a tool you download from, from sandbox.game and you can uh, start building content, games or other experiences uh, right away. It's free to use and we have adopted a, a no-code approach, meaning you don't, you can't even code. It's just drag and drop, pull down menus, click, you know, check boxes um, and you can build, you know, amazing experiences in no time. So that's also very important for us to attract, not only the big brands, but everybody. Totally. And with, with the UGCs, uh, is there something that's consistent with, if, if say you're a successful sandbox creator, what, what does that look like? And, and what, what sort of qualities does someone have in there or does a group have in terms of the content that they're putting out there? The good thing, it's not about coding. It's not about engineering or hard stuff. It's all about creativity and, and having a good idea and having a good narrative and, and good storyline. And and also having uh, an expert that looks good, that has its own brand uh, when it comes to the look and feel of the experience. So the, and the good thing is it's, it's achievable to anybody as long as you're creative and you're, you know, smart and want people to have fun. So not everybody can do it, right? Not everybody is creative. Not everybody is good at designing or making games. But uh, um, um, anybody uh, who has, you know, uh, the drive and the interest in building experiences for others can do it. So in a way, one can create a game within Sandbox. And that is sort of like starting their own company. Yeah. For yeah, yeah. You know? So so yeah, yeah, yeah. in many in many ways what you're saying monetize. is right. And so you're saying there's a lot of user generated content or people thinking about user generated content within sandbox and they can become their own CEOs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Even if they own CEO for one person company, right? But they can create a product, launch it and and 
you know, acquiring users and customers and, and make money for sure. Cool. Well, hopefully from this conversation, anyone uh, interested in creating or starting their own company in general would take a nugget, but specifically for Sandbox, uh, I think Matthew's just provided a, a nice little roadmap of uh, high level what it would take to to successfully run and manage uh, a, a little enterprise. Exactly, yeah. Where can people find Sandbox if they're interested in playing around or, and how can they get involved? So they go to sandbox.game on their browser. Uh, they will install a free client uh, software. It's available for PCs and Mac for now. Mobile is coming next year. And they download, create an account, and that's it. You know, they can enjoy uh, enjoy the game. Awesome. Well, Matthew, again, thank you for providing us with uh, a nice overview of what you do and uh, plans for success for Sandbox and uh, excited to see what you guys continue to cook up. Thank you for having me, Steve. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lights, Camera, Crypto, a podcast produced by Matt Bogart and Decentral Media. Music by Brian Duncan and Kareem Imes. If you enjoyed this experience, be sure to rate and subscribe to our show and to follow at Sladen and at Decentral Media for additional content.